Hey, Howard Jacobson here. Welcome to today's Plant Yourself podcast. A quick reminder, this podcast is free for everyone and supported by patrons. So if you would like to find out about becoming a patron of the show and helping us out, helping defray the cost, helping to spread the message, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. Thanks so much and enjoy today's episode. Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Let's begin by listening to a little bit of music, get in the mood. So can you hear the rain beating down on the roof and walls of Sun Studios here in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, home of the Plant Yourself Podcast? It's fitting that it's been raining for 12 hours. It's supposed to be raining beautifully, long, strong, gentle rain for the next three days because that's going to help our garden grow. We got a whole bunch of seeds in the ground yesterday, actually ran out in the rain and planted the three sisters, beans, corn, and squash this morning. And here's why it's fitting that it's raining, because today I'm talking with Mark Silver, who is the founder and uh, head educator at Heart of Business. And just like the rain helps things grow, Mark has an approach to help small businesses grow, not to gargantuan size, but to the right size, to serve their population, to serve the mission, and to give the owner of the business a good, satisfying, heart-centered life. In fact, the, the tagline for Heart of Business is, every act of business can be an act of love. And I reached out to Mark now specifically for personal reason and for, for you guys, for the listeners. So for myself, I have been struggling in terms of what do I want my business to be, to look like. You know, I have a lot of different business partners whom I love working with, Josh Lajani, Peter Bregman, Kevin Davis, Olivia Kelly, and all the coaches that I work with. And yet I have been seduced at times by the idea of scale, by the idea of let's reach a million people, let's write a book that will become a bestseller. And I've also found that I'm happiest when I'm working with a small group of people in a more modest way, but that doesn't seem to pay the bills. So looking for myself for a model that feels good, especially in this crazy capitalist economy that has so many people in so much pain, how do I make money without contributing to the very system that is destroying the planet and making so many of us miserable? And I especially wanted to talk to Mark as the pandemic grew and made it clear that business as usual is not going to be returning and that a lot of people were going to lose their jobs and we're going to have to figure out how to become more entrepreneurial, how to become more self-reliant. And a lot of people who may just want to leave their jobs because they want to do something with more purpose, more meaning, more of service. And so Mark's wisdom and advice is going to be invaluable for those of us who would like to contribute in an organic way to the world without suffering ourselves. So one of the things you'll hear us talk about in the conversation is what Mark calls pay from the heart pricing. And I have implemented pay from the heart pricing for my laser coaching. And one thing I learned from Mark is that you have to set a minimum. You can't just say, you know, pay nothing because that's not sustainable for me. And therefore, I wouldn't be able to keep doing it. I wouldn't be able to keep fulfilling my heart's desire and mission in this world. So the pay, what you can pay from the heart pricing is based on a minimum of $83 a month. 
for a full year of one-on-one -on -one private personal laser coaching with me. If you'd like to find out more about that, about getting into the best shape of your life, into reversing chronic disease, into finally taking control over your health habits, check out plantyourself.com laser. Second, tomorrow is our first live class for the WellStart Coach Training Program, the May 2020 cohort that runs through the middle of August 2020. If you would like to become a coach or improve your coaching skills, you can check it out at wellstartcoach.com. Don't delay because we want to get you into that first class tomorrow. And third, the gentlest reminder that this podcast is free for everyone and it's supported by those who can afford it. So if you like the mission of the show and you are fortunate enough to have some financial resources that are a little bit extra right now and you'd like to help me uh, maintain the mission of the show and keep it going, you can go to plantyourself.com gift and make a one time or an ongoing donation to help the thing keep going. All right. So let's talk about business, heart centered business. Without further ado, Mark Silver, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you. Really glad yeah. to be here. Yeah, we've we've been in touch and we've talked God, decade, maybe a decade ago when I was in a totally different business when I was in marketing. And I really looked up to your wisdom about how we can market our businesses without being yucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. And there was yeah. A, there have been a lot of times where I would get semi seduced by some technique. And then but it, I, I wasn't into it enough to actually do it. And I just felt like I'm lazy or I don't have drive. And then I would read something you wrote about it and go, oh, OK, I'm just there's just this like integrity break inside my body. Right. Uh, you know, and the hard part was navigating with the brake sort of half down, like when you're when you have when you have the emergency brake sort of on, but you're still driving, you don't realize it. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it can be really challenging. And. You know, there's a lot of um, interesting ideas that could be executed with integrity, but often aren't. And it's yeah, it can be really painful, it can be really painful. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's start by just having you describe yourself and, and your business <laughs> and how you help people. So maybe that'll frame the the kinds of questions and discussions we get into. Sure. So Mark Silver, um, founder of Heart of Business, uh, been at it for 20 years, and um, we help uh, the self-employed and micro-sized businesses um, who want to make a difference in the world and really, um, uh, really need to make a profit. And we have a combination of um, uh, Sufi spiritual work and nitty-gritty business stuff to help people develop their businesses through what we um, – what I've identified as uh, uh, the three stages of business development. And so it's been really, um, yeah, I feel really fortunate helping people um, in really profound ways begin to realize that every act of business can be an act of love. Mm, right. That's such a, a, a beautiful thing to remember and such and such a painful thing when you realize you've forgotten it for months or years. Mm, yeah, well, it, they've kind of designed the economy that way. <laughs> so <laughs> it takes some active work to call it back in. Yeah. So can I ask you about your background? Like, how did you get into this? Were you always, you know, 
Sufi and interested in business as love, or did you do you have some sort no, of no, back, no. backstory? I, well, I grew up in small business, so my parents ran a retail store that my grandfather had started um, in the 1930s in Washington D.C., and my mom had started a few different very small businesses during our childhood. I guess it, just entrepreneurs, shopkeepers, really. Um, uh, in the family blood. And I, I never really liked business. I always kind of like I had an activist heart and um, I really um, didn't like the world of business for the lack of integrity that I saw there. And um, what did you, what did you say? I mean, was it, you know, like where, where, did, where were you seeing acts uh, out of integrity? <sighs> Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a punk rock um activist and um in the 80s and i just um i just saw this real you know like profit over people mm -hmm. you and know was basically that, was that in your family business as well that you saw that tension no i didn't see it in small business in the same way you know i saw my parents um really caring for their employees and you know and um uh you know, I, I I saw a lot of I saw a lot of interesting things like that, but you know, I, the world really seemed held by corporate dominance, in which has become even more so. And um, yeah, it just it it wasn't. I just I I was um, I was unimpressed. <laughs> uh -huh. right. So yeah. so I have two kids at home now, 20 and 24. They're both very much remind me of what you were talking about in terms of being very alienated by capitalist society by and, you know, like they would like nothing better than to, you know, to live in a commune where you mm -hmm. grow your own and people are, you know, singing and playing guitar and getting high and and sort mm -hmm. of, you know, dropping out of mm -hmm. this culture. What what led you to being a uh, a teacher of small businesses as opposed to saying like, ugh, business, let me yeah. let me go be an artist or a bum or something. Yeah. Well, I think that I was kind of drawn into it because I just didn't, I, you know, it's like a life path. Like what choice do you really have? You know, and uh, I was I when I um. I'm trying not to like tell the full 20 year story because we'll be here for 20 years. <laughs> but the um, there was my wife had uh, introduced me to Sufi work through a friend of hers. And when I started studying Sufism, and we were actually active in Jewish community at the time, and I was needing some kind of deeper practice. And what I started to see, it just I just started to just started to see it in my heart. I, I'd see some esoteric teaching and practice and i could see where it was being mirrored or it was the potential for being mirrored within certain business practices and i was an activist at the time i was i was working as a paramedic and i was doing volunteer activist work and um which included running a nonprofit magazine and um activist magazine and you know to make the magazine work it was essentially a small business in some ways you know to have it really function and show up in the marketplace and so it was really interesting to me to kind of see that mirroring happen and um and i said oh you know it's as i because in my studies around 
economy and politics and such, um, you know, commerce has existed as long as humans have been around, mm. you know, and I make a real distinction between commerce, human scaled commerce and capitalism, which is relatively new. Capitalism is a relatively new force in the last few hundred years. And um, it's really um, devastating, you know, like the creation of the, the concept of the corporation, which removes individual responsibility from action if it and concentrates wealth. If it talks about, uh, you know, because of um, the industrial revolution and the possibility of having factories as opposed to kind of hand created you know, human scale things, it became possible for someone to, for like a single person or a single family to own the means of production, to own resources that in a way that was never really possible before. Um, and, you know, and, and so people coming off of family farms and I'm not, uh, believe me, I'm not idealizing earlier human life. There were certainly plenty of struggles. There was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of, um, um, struggle and pain in many, many different cultures. But this kind of consolidation of power and wealth um, combining, you know, monarch, you know, like the, the end, the end tale historically of monarchy and colonialism combined with the, uh, you know, with the rise of capitalism and East India Tea Company and everything that kind of proceeded from that and the force of the state behind these corporate ventures created a situation that um, was just devastating, just mm -hmm. devastating to the human heart, devastating to indigenous cultures in Europe and throughout the globe and devastating to um, our way of life. And it's created this really dysfunctional, painful way of living. Yeah. And so, but, you know, in, in our culture, the people who are lionized, or at least until the last year or two were the entrepreneurs who had these visions for like doing big things. Right. Right. Like and, and, and I see this, you know, I'm in the plant based slash vegan community and the people who are really looking looking to to solve the world's problems are like, you know, Memphis meat and, um, you know, kite, right. kite, like the, like they've got to grow big in order to get into all the Whole Foods and all the Kroger's. Mm -hmm. um, like there's there's something um, like what's the cost of of that bigness, right? You can see how okay, well now if everyone can get plant milk instead of mm -hmm. you know having to rely on industrial agriculture, but there there is a cost to going growing big in the capitalist system, needing investment and mm -hmm. and dominating marketplaces. What do you see as the cost? <sighs> <laughs> There's so much there. Like why like the like the like the real question is like why do they have to like why is something like and I'm not familiar with Memphis meat, but I mean the yeah. why like why does it have to be in every Whole Foods? Like why does it have to be like grow beyond the region? You know, it's like when you have you know, you you ask about the cost and I think the cost um the cost is that we um, lose our individual creativity. You know, it's like when we try to say that there's one solution that's going to fit everywhere, mm. then we're, then we've already, like, we're already asking the wrong question. 
you know, when you when you look at, for instance, like I, this was a this was a conversation that I had um, with folks because when we, when we were living in an eco village in central New York, um, you know, where the growing season, you know, like you can't really plant before May fifteenth, and everything's harvested by the end of the summer. You know, it's like it's a short growing season, very long winter. It's like, you know, is it really, you know, and um, uh, you know, small farm, individually owned um, animal protein, you know, for northern climates is really sustainable way of living, you know, and I'm not trying to turn this into kind of a vegan versus animal, you know, thing. But I'm just saying that there are like, different people who grew up in the land, you know, on a landscape, have um, developed different ways of eating, for instance. And it's kind of absurd both from a heart perspective and a cultural perspective, to think that people are going to eat the same everywhere in the globe or everywhere in the continent. It's, um, <clears throat> we lose the resilience. Like the only thing that, I think we, I'm kind of wanting to go in a couple different directions at once. One direction is that anyone who knows about ecosystems and knows that diversity is a really important part of the health of an ecosystem. And this is true at a human level too, different cultures, different languages, different ways of eating, different ways of, you know, it's like it, it strengthens who we are as human beings. When we're all the same, we become much more vulnerable on a lot of different levels. And, um, you know, um, I just want to pause Sure, take your time. Because because even me trying to answer the question at the speed I was speaking is another piece of the puzzle, right? It's like there's not – we don't need to be in such a hurry. <sighs> you know, we often end up moving way too quickly and trying to become way too big and we lose um, – we lose our access to guidance. We lose our access to, to what's true and what the little subtle signals are of where we could be going. And, um, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think that I'm the adequate person to speak to the cost yeah. of it. I think that you would want to talk to, you know, the Native Americans and um, from uh, this continent, the cost of colonialism and uh, and um, and uh, capitalism and the and the and the in, to speak to the descendants of the enslaved Africans on this continent to the cost of capitalism. Mm -hmm. I mean, the yeah. only reason that the United States was able to grow historically was because of stolen land and stolen labor and genocide. And um, the wealth the, that came from that, that was also part of mortgages funded in London and the world over, um, you know, and funded the, you know, this industrialization, the cotton gin, you know, was, you know, it's like, it's like, it was a self-reinforcing mechanism and the cost has been our souls, it's been the blood mm -hmm. of millions of people. I right. mean, the cost is really huge. I don't really know how to. Um, 
Well, I don't I mean, know how to name it. Yeah, I guess when you look at a society in, that that is you know the wealthiest the world has ever seen and the most successful, and everyone can afford a plasma TV set, and twenty five percent of us at any given time are on psych meds, like that's not the problem. Is not the twenty five percent are broken, right? They're just sort mm -hmm. of the 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 outlet for a you know it's a, a cultural illness. Mm -hmm. um, that it's hard, it's hard to see because we have so much nice stuff. Well, and some of us have so much nice stuff, yeah. you know, because, you know, obviously, I mean, and I know you, you know, you were just, it was a throwaway phrase, but obviously people, you know, not everyone can have a plasma TV. There's incredible poverty in this country. It's really, um, yeah. And I, you know, I was having this conversation with a friend earlier, um, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't want to paint the entire culture of the U.S. as, you know, terrible and lost. There are so many good people and so many good hearts doing so many good things. It's part of why I love working with people who are self-employed and working with micro-businesses because there's so much care. And the businesses are often small enough that although survival is definitely a question, they're not pushed like public companies are or like large companies with a large payroll are that they can often feel freer to make choices. Like I was just speaking to somebody today um, uh, uh, who um, had guidance or, you know, got really clear in themselves that, oh, the way that I'm doing business is actually causing harm to people. I'm just going to completely scrap my business and start over. Mm -hmm. And if she had had a large business and with a large payroll, like that would have been a really hard decision to make yeah. um, and how much, it, but because it was her, she could restart and do things completely differently. And I, I really, um, I think that there is a lot of freedom and um, flexibility when, when we, when we work with smaller units. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, too big to bail. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. I'm committed. I'm yes. committed to this path. So right. so um, I, here, here's the like the real reason I wanted to talk to you was for like thinking about my audience, many of whom are doing you know, either doing things in the world that are heart centered and supportive, um, you know, mission driven businesses. A lot of them are coaches, healthcare professionals. And given COVID-19, a lot of people's expectations and assumptions about their jobs and their careers and their security have been have been gutted. For a lot of people, it feels like like this is a chance to remake the economy, to remake society in the way you're talking about, sort of small and local, because we've mm -hmm. seen supply chains get messed up. Um, right? So I'm thinking about those folks who at the same time, like, a lot of them see opportunities to either rejigger their businesses to make them more heartfelt or to start practices. And at the same time, a lot of people are like really hungry for money. So like there's days where I'm like, maybe I should just go get a job at 15 bucks an hour at Whole Foods and just have a paycheck because mm -hmm. I don't really know what my business looks like right now. What, what are your sort of overarching first thoughts for someone who's sort of stuck between like I'm I need 
some capitalist overlord to feed me versus I want to st <laughs> I want to step into the space that this has created for 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 creativity and growth. Yeah. So uh, the first thing that comes to mind is actually what we were just talking about is that we are um, so sold on and it's reinforced in the, you know, TikTok, Facebook, Internet culture. My boys, I have uh, preteen boys that are on TikTok. So I've, <laughs> despite being in my 50s, I've become acquainted with TikTok. And it's like, there's, you know, there's, it's, <laughs> I had no idea before that. I'm like, what is, what, what is this? Anyway, you know, it's like, there's this speed that we, it's like, oh yeah, we're going to step into the breach. It's, and, you know, the truth is that things take time. And I would actually encourage anyone who is hungry for money, and, which is a totally legitimate need in this culture. Like you have to have money in order to eat, which sucks, but it's true. And um, it's like do what you need to care for yourself and be like embrace – like if you're wanting to start a business or if you have a business, like you want to embrace this idea, the the knowledge, the truth that it just takes time to develop a business in a sustainable manner to the point where it's really dependable. And, <clears throat> you know, we are um, – there is the possibility to really work with um, – uh, alternative methods of building businesses. It's kind of like alternative methods of building houses. If you're a big developer and you need to build a lot of things really quickly, <clears throat> excuse me, then there's, um, yeah, you're, you, you can't, but if it's just you and your land and you can, you can, you know what, I'm going to try, you know, some of these other kinds of alternative building structures that are maybe less expensive, but more labor intensive. So, to build a business, like what I've seen over 20 years of working with thousands of people is that it takes, you know, three or four years at a minimum to build a business to, from what we call creation into momentum to, and momentum is really what's dependable, like where the business is dependable. Mm -hmm. And when you think about planting a garden, anyone who's guard, who gardens knows that it takes some years for a garden to really develop and come into its fullness. You know, the first year it's like what it is and then the, you develop the soil and you support what you're doing and you learn and you tweak and you iterate and you get what's needed. It just takes time to build the relationship with the plants and with the soil. It takes time to build relationships with the ecosystem, with the communities that are going to be supporting in your business. And so if this moment is a wake-up call for folks, I really applaud it. And don't be seduced by the message of the culture that the urgency that we feel means that the answer is going to, you know, mm. that you're going to be able to like, boom, and it's there. Um, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree 50 years ago? When's the second best <laughs> time now? You know, it's like if you're starting to build a business, embrace the reality of what that really means. And um, yeah. let your let your heart open to that and walk with it. Yeah. And I love to use the metaphor of, of gardening because, you know, these days a lot of people are gardening out of panic. And when I go, when <laughs> Which, I, I know it works. <laughs> well, it, it can for a season, though, right? You if you have the if you have the resources, you can bring in, you know, topsoil and compost. You can throw, you know, get the fertilizers. You can buy, 
um, starts and seedlings. You can get a decent one-year harvest, but it's not sustainable, right? And it's it's it, yeah it's, because it's, you're you're putting more in than you're getting out of it, and um, and the idea is to create some kind of a balance there where you're what you're putting in in terms of labor. You know, I uh, you know I I I, I in reading about permaculture. Um, you know, I've heard that uh, to be sustainable, you if you're growing things, you want at least, you know, like somewhere between 40 and 50 and 60 percent of what you're growing to actually be feeding the compost of the soil yeah. and only harvesting, uh, you know, like half or less of what it is. And um, uh, and I think that that's a really interesting thing because I've noticed that with business, like you do things and some of them work and some of them don't, but it's all compost. Like the things that don't work are compost, they're learnings, they're growth. And so – and every time somebody takes a step in a different direction, like every time there's an alternative building structure, every time there's permaculture, every time, you know, like we create a sales structure that's full of integrity and that isn't forcing people through manipulation to purchase. When we switched our business model almost entirely over to pay from the heart, you know, where people mm -hmm. really get to choose what they want to pay us. Ooh, I want to I uh, ask you about that because I've been experimenting with that with some things. And yeah, it's like it helps to kind of like really start to shift the economy and people go, oh, this business is thriving without manipulation and without needing mm -hmm. to set like prices. And it's like it's, it's like it yeah, starts so, to I'll tell you just what, <laughs> one one funny story. I just I released I was in um, South Africa in lockdown. It wasn't clear if we were going to get home. Uh, we ended up getting a U.S. government flight. But for a while, you know, I was there. I was there with like nothing to do except I had my good microphone. So I made a bunch of like audio um, guided relaxation exercises for people who are homebound and stressed out. And I thought, like, this is something that I think people could really use. I could really use the money because I'm in South Africa spending vacation money indefinitely. <laughs> but but I, and I know a lot of people have no money. So I said, pay what you can, including zero. And a lot first 10 or 12 were all zeros. And then I started seeing people sending me messages through the money they were paying, like somebody paid three hundred and sixty five dollars for it. And I thought, oh, what a like I they're telling me something with that number. Right. Somebody right. else paid 36, which mm -hmm. you know, if you're from your your Jewish days, that's twice yes. 18, which twice is high, high right. which is life. And like like without even saying anything, like money all of a sudden it became this love language. Mm. <laughs> and yes. And and, yes. and it's it's so much and not only did it make up for all the people paying zero that now when people pay zero, which is still the, you know, the mode, um, like I'm thrilled, like, oh, someone got this who wouldn't have been able to afford it. And I hope mm -hmm. they benefit. And it's it's been yes. it's been such a different way. Uh, and and I, I haven't run the numbers like I haven't said, like, what's my you know customer acquisition cost for this? And what's the right. lifetime value right. of a pay for the heart? Yes. But just the feeling is so much cooler. <laughs> And I'll tell you, we have run the numbers because we make as much or more on a course and have way more people in it being affected and connected by what we're doing than we did before when we had set prices that were higher. Mm. And um, so, 
Right. Yeah. So let me ask you tactically, like for so so for someone who's thinking about this, is because especially these days when so many people are suffering, it feels mm-hmm. like a very graceful thing to do, and it feels like it allows me to market harder. <laughs> Because, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, because there's a generosity in there and there's a message in there. There's also a message just in the price that brings a sense of openness. You know, people aren't on their guard. Oh, you're trying to take all my – oh, you're not trying to take all my money. Oh, I can – I don't have – you're not trying to take any of my money except the money I want to give you. Like yeah. it's – like there's a there's a joyfulness that can come out yeah. that is really – Really wonderful. So, yeah. So, how do you guide people? Because I've, I've had, you know, I've seen like Tad Hargrave, a mutual friend, has also talked about, you know, pay what you can. But there's, you know, sometimes like people resent it. Like, like I was, yeah. I, I, I was, a guy contacted me, says, "Hey, I want an hour coaching session." And like, I, you know, I don't know him very well, but I don't think he's raking it in right now. I said, "Hey, let's do it. Pay me what you pay me, whatever you feel like afterwards." Mm-hmm. And I think he, there was a lot of anxiety for him. Like, you know, he yes, pays 40, creates a, 45 right. bucks. And part right. of me is going, I used to make $6,000 a day when I was a marketing mm-hmm. consultant and 45 right. for an hour. And part of mm-hmm. me is like, oh, good. Exactly. Like, how, how do you guide people? Because I'm mm-hmm. about to start a, a coach training right. program. You know, it's been 997 for 12 weeks. And mm-hmm. that's kind of a good number for me and for my partners. Like it's it's almost like if people were paying a hundred bucks, it's almost like it wouldn't be worth my time. Right. How do you right. how do you, so how do you communicate yeah. things that, that both let your clients feel comfortable, like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm paying something, you know, right and right. that gets my needs met and my team. Yeah. Well let me share some of the things I was sharing in a webinar I taught recently on exactly this, on how to do this in a way that actually works. Because you know what's what is often missing from um, these conversations is um, is the vulnerability of the business owner um, of like the needs. So, from a spiritual point of view, from a Sufi point of view, like we we cannot give without like from a like. We are not God. We have needs. We're human beings. We may be ex- divine expressions, but we are not the oneness in ourselves, you know? Uh-huh. And, um, and so I have needs. And for me to give without being transparent about what my needs are, you know, like the client who comes to us wanting something from us is being transparent about their needs. Mm-hmm. Like I need, you know, I'm struggling with something. You have something. I have a need. And we're we're not being transparent about that. I ha- I've, I've worked with um, Buddhists in the past and had this conversation with them about um, – because they were trying to operate on uh, the Buddhist principle of dana, which is, again, the pay what you can, like just the gift offering to the teacher and, uh, and why it wasn't really working in the culture. And I'm like, you know, historically – my understanding is that the monks in the temple, the priests in the temple, the village temple, like the villagers knew what they needed to live. Like they knew what their needs were. And it's like, oh, we want this temple to be cared for and tended to. We want people who are going to tend to our spiritual needs. We know what they need. You know, I'm not going to just give them, you know, like a bowl of porridge. We're going to give them a chicken. We're going to give them like we're going to give them all of what they need to be able to live and survive. And – a lot of times the only 
the only equivalent that most people in Western culture come across is that tip jar at the cafe that people will drop a few coins into or a dollar bill into. There's no sense of, oh, what do people really need to survive being really clear? And a lot of that's really hidden in capitalist culture too because the things get sold for ridiculously small amounts in extremely large quantities with a lot of profit being sucked off and people not being paid enough. And so there's like there's just a, not a lot of clarity. People have individual clarity about what they need, but they don't there's so this this is missing from the mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah, I'm saying all this. And I guess you know just thinking like the the way restaurants do tipping has really mm-hmm. um like con- confused everything. Right? right? Like we are going to underpay you so drastically that you can't survive without tips. And so right. now this isn't, you know, like I can tip 20%, which feels like baseline. I'll do right. 15 if they're if they're an asshole. But right. like if they, you know, a real tip would be like 30%, 40% or like double, like keep right. the change. But like we don't we don't like like a, like what's so can, keep exactly. going, keep going. <laughs> yes, yes. So when you so when you do our model of pay from the heart, there's a few things that need to be there. And one of the things that needs to be there is you need to be clear about what your business needs, what you need, what your business needs, what's sustainable. Um and um and to put it out there you know see and that's to- I, like that's really really hard for people because they're like i don't you know i feel guilty charging money for this like let's mm. say they're a health coach uh fitness trainer and they know people are struggling and and like oh i have you know my my here's some recipes or meal plans or or whatever like oh i you know people need this i i feel yucky to make money from it and yet, if they don't get money from it, they have to stop doing it. But see, this is what I was saying before. There's actually needs – like the business owner has to be in a deep place of humility. Like if they're not willing to own their own needs, mm. that they are one of the people who are who is needy. Mm. <laughs> you know, we are, we are all – like need is a healthy, healthy human thing. And it's only in this <laughs> culture that it gets stigmatized and say, oh, you're needy. And that's, you know, like, yeah, we're needy. Yeah, we're needy. You got to pay people a living wage. You got to, like, care for the people. It's like people are needy. Like, wow. there's, there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm, 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 I'm now starting to, like, excavate some of my own bad programming. And there was mm-hmm. this, this total thing that I bought into for a while in the Internet marketing world about essentially be like the more needs you have, the more desperate you are and the less anyone wants, like people only want to work with you if you have no needs whatsoever. If you're like, oh, I don't care if you work with me or not. Yeah, yes. And so there's a different, well, and it should be, it, it, it is overwhelming to take the full scope, like the full breadth of one's needs and put it on one individual customer or client. Like that's a little heavy, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? And so... That does overwhelm people, but it doesn't overwhelm people because you're needy. It it overwhelms people when they think they have to rescue you from that neediness. Mm. And so, you know, spiritually, it's really good to acknowledge our needs and bring them to a deeper place to know that we can be cared for. And to bring a sense of desire, like, yes, I would love to help you and I would love to support you and I'd love for you to have this and I'd love – to, you know, like to bring that desire out and to say collectively, 
you know, I'm really counting on my audience to help me, you know, on on my clients to help meet my needs. But it would, you know, not just one, like, you know, when we do our courses, like, I don't want one person buying it for $20,000. You know, like, that would be like, like, oh, thanks. Um, You know, but when we think about when I think about from a business perspective, like, oh, this is our audience. This is t- tends to be how many people we enroll. This tends to be how it works. This is the amount of revenue that would be really healthy and sustainable. This is the amount it breaks down to per person. This is the amount that I'm feeling like what would be sustainable, what would help us grow, what would be a minimum. And I and I give people guidelines so that they don't have to have that. There is so much anxiety about um, – about money, a lot of times when when business owners step into um, sliding scale or pay what you want without owning their own needs, what they're doing is they're just dumping all their money anxiety onto their client. You figure it out. <laughs> like the client doesn't know they're anxious, and they and I think that the anxiety comes because people genuinely want to do the right thing. You know, I hear way I I hear so many times from our people that. Oh, I, I don't want to underpay you. I want to give more, and I mm. have to spend time reassuring. You know, we we put it in our in the language. You know that um, we we want to reassure people that we're really serious about this, and that we trust, and that our needs are being taken care of. Um, and I also am really clear. Like I'm, I'm clear at least in my business and the model that I'm using that. We do have a minimum that we ask in any particular offer. Mm. Now, I'll say like this is the minimum that we're asking. This is the sustainable price. This is the minimum. And and I do make exceptions. I say there is an exception. You can pay less than the minimum if paying the minimum is going to threaten your food or shelter. And especially if you live in an economy, in a different economy, I was just – emailing somebody who's in a completely different um, country and their economy is such that, I mean, you know, like the, 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 the living, you know, like the, the currency exchange, it would be absurd for them to pay anywhere near our minimum. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like $1,500 US dollars a year is the equivalent on the currency exchange for their, you know, for a really good, you know, it's like, no, you don't have to pay our minimum. That would be crazy. And uh, that would be the equivalent of me asking for, you know, 20000 and not really. But and, and so I say, you know, if you're if your food and shelter is going to be threatened, if you're living in a in an economy that it's not on par with this, then please pay less than the minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the you know, it's like uh, and the average you know, it it all averages out. It all averages yeah. out. But it's true that you do need enough people, like you were saying with the sales, like the first 12 or zero or whatever the number was you said. You do need enough people for that to balance out. When I do individual work for my individual clients, because my business is large enough and we have these other offers, the minimum for my individual coaching is not inexpensive you know it's not zero it's not it's 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 higher and that's because um i'm clear that in order to continue serving the larger market in order to continue serving the um uh uh, you know being able to deliver the kinds of offers that we do deliver that 
do allow for a very low minimum. When I do work with individual clients like that, that needs to that how has to balance out the rest of the business. Mm -hmm. So right. now one one of the things that I one of the mantras that I believed for a while, and I think there's like with most things that there's, there's some truth to it is the idea of skin in the game. Right. And, and so, the, you know, the capitalists, the entrepreneurs, Internet gurus will say, like, the more you charge someone, you're really doing them a favor. <laughs> right? you know, Tony BS, Robbins will charge BS on that one. Tony That's Robbins will charge lie. five thousand dollars an hour. And so you're going to get that uh, th that phobia cure. Yeah. Right now, yeah. I, I have seen that people who pay nothing very often don't even show up, don't value it. So it's not it's not and I don't think it's 100 percent BS, but help me navigate where I think it's BS. And uh, the reason I think it's BS is because I've seen people pay a lot of money and not do anything. How do you explain that? You know, <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't care about that. I just got <laughs> that's even easier. That's like I, breakage. I don't, I don't I don't think there's a correlation. Uh -huh. I, think that, I think that there has to I think that people buy things that aren't that are coming from a motivation that isn't uh, um, an evaluation of like, what is it that's really going to serve them? And so whether they get it for free or whether they pay money, you know, I've, I've had people pay nothing and go full bore, you know, and be completely committed. I've seen too, seen that too many times. I've seen people pay well below our minimum and be so committed and really follow through and get a tremendous amount out of it. Mm -hmm. I don't think the amount of money has anything to do with their level of commitment. I do think that there has to be some kind of a commitment and there has to be, and this has to do with the way sales are done, right? If there is a dynamic where if something costs very little, people can make an impulse purchase and, you know, and they're not really, you know, considering it. And so maybe they're not um, buying it, you know, maybe they're not following through with it, but I would, I would still say that it's not about the amount of money. It's about the purchasing process. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that it was a, um, you know, a whimsical or it was coming from a snap judgment or, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't coming well, so, from. Yeah. So, so what responsibility do we bear as the sellers and marketers? Because, you know, one of the things I learned when I was doing internet marketing is how to get people so hot for the yes. thing, like, you know, urgency. There's a countdown timer. This is the best thing ever. Let me show you these. Let me make these incredible promises to you. And right. right I remember being at, at, at a, you know, seeing I don't know if you've ever been to like these conferences where people do back of the room sales and they're yes. so good at it. And they've got everybody stampeding to the back of the room. Manipulation. Yeah. yeah. Really deep really deep psychological manipulation happening there. It's terrible. It's wrong. It's really, really wrong. And so, um, it's causing damage. So to, um, talk about break that down a little bit, because I'm yes. still I, I think I still have some tendrils of that that need yes. to, that need to be uprooted. Yes. Well, I wrote a whole guide called Don't Buy Now that's on my <laughs> website that doesn't that really outlines a lot of the psychological manipulative manipulative tactics that get used in sales. And I wrote another a different blog post about like why selling into the crowd can feel so gross that outlines some of these things. And um, um, those kinds of manipulative sales tactics um, rush the purchase. 
um, and take people out of their own natural purchasing decisions. Um, the truth is that, um, I, you know, uh, oh God, there's so much. Like I can't. I can't <laughs> if people want it, they can find it. Heartofbusiness.com/slash/don't buy now, and there's there's no opt-in you just download it and leave if you don't if you don't want any more contact from us are there uh, uh, I, are, are there hyphens there or just no, just no, don't don't, don't buy now one word don't buy now yeah and um i cuz i i want people to cuz when people are aware of the manipulative tactics and they don't get taken in by them mm. anywhere near as easily and um um and I also in that guide talk about um, specifically what ethical pricing is um, in the context of business training. Um, and I think that you can charge too much for certain kinds of things. I think that, you know, I, I – there's so much to say here. So what you need to understand historically is that in the beginnings of the um, – the development of psychology um, in the early 1900s, late 1800s, um, they started like psychology started to kind of name different insights into motivation, what motivated humans, and um, and the very first really big thing that started to happen is that big companies started to hire those people in order to sell better. Mm -hmm. And that was um, – Well, that's like Edward Bernays. And the... That was like – yeah, all of that all of that stuff. Like the very infancy of psychology is bound up with um, manipulative sales tactics hmm. in, in capitalism, in corporate America. I mean that's really was the start of all – some of the big advertising firms of the day, you know, that have continued. And it's, it's just – it's um, – it's really deeply rooted in these terrible, terrible traumatizing things that 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 are done to get people to purchase. Um, the truth is that people need help and they'll buy. And if you give them time and space and you show up and, you know, there's things, you know, there are ways to present yourself that help the purchasing decision without forcing the purchasing decision um but it's um but yeah there's i mean there's so much there's so much to say there but it's um it is it's it's really it's a really painful thing and i really um advise people to really learn about those tactics so that they don't get taken in by them and so they don't use them even accidentally because one of the dynamics that can happen is that it's one thing for somebody to be like a scammer who's using these manipulative tactics consciously to try to get people's money out of them like you know like at a carnival <laughs> but there's 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 an even worse problem where people who are really sincere and don't intend to be manipulative, but learn these tactics because that's how it's done mm -hmm. and and use them. And the somebody who's trying to read the intention of the person can feel that they're really sincere, but may not read that the technique, the tactic itself is manipulative. And it has nothing to do with the intention of the person. And, um, you know... 
like like you mentioned urgency. Urgency is a really legitimate thing. If you have a class and it starts on a certain date and people don't sign up by that date and it starts, they miss the class. Like there's there's legitimate urgency. Like I can only I you know, you have a class and it has a certain number of seats. There's legitimate urgency. It can sell out. But it needs to be used really legitimately and not like you know, either faked or um, used to push people like that fear of losing out, like, oh, all but one are sold. Like, I will mention our deadlines. When we have classes, I'll mention deadlines. If there's if it's something that can sell out, I'll mention if it's getting close to selling out. But I'll almost always I'll always try to put in something saying, please don't purchase out of panic. The only thing I want the urgency to do is to kind of wake you up to the fact that if this is something you're interested in, now's the time to kind of discern whether you actually want it or not. Mm. And if you don't need it, leave it alone, walk away. You're not going to miss out on anything. You're perfect. You have what you need. If you're interested in it and it's something that you want to do, take the time to discern now whether it's true and the timing is right because I don't want you to miss it if you do want it. That's, it, you know, you. so anyway, mm-hmm. there's, I could go on and right. on. I, this is this is a soapbox for me. So you got to sometimes. Right. No, I love I love it because I mean, you know, what you're saying is like when there's real urgency, you don't want to hide that. OK, it's starting. It's almost full. Right. And so for people who have existing businesses that are successful, they've been marketing well for a while. Like it's almost like, oh, yeah, that it's that's easy for them because it's true. But I'm starting out. Nobody signed up. For what I have, I don't have any customers. But right. if I say that, then I'm, then no one's going to want to work with me. It's like you know, you drive past the the restaurant with the empty parking lot. Like, right? That's another signal. So so like, I'm tempted sometimes to say, you know, hurry before it sells out. When in fact, there's 40 seats and like two people have expressed interest and nobody's given me a dime. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I think this is the interesting piece, right? It's like people need to be humble. Like if they're like one, if you have something that has 40 seats, but you don't have a developed business or an audience that you're reaching, why do you have something that has 40 seats in it? Like if you don't have 40 people in your audience or you don't have 100 people in your audience or you don't have 1,000 people <laughs> yeah, in your audience, because like why, why are you trying to do that? Because I read <laughs> right? a blog post where someone says, well, <laughs> right. if I can sell 1,000 seats at $497, I make a million dollars this year. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I ran the numbers, Mark. They work. <laughs> they do work if you have the audience. It's yeah. absolutely true. So, I mean, I think it's, it's like we have to be where we are. We have to be where we are. You know, there's always somebody bigger and there's always somebody smaller. And, you know, there are businesses that are a lot bigger and more successful than mine. And there are the lot smaller and, you know, struggling or not struggling or whatever. But it's like you have to be where you are. And wherever you are, the humbleness is like you don't like – the reason for purchasing should not be that it's going to sell out. The reason for purchasing should be that, oh, this is something that would be really helpful for me and I'd like mm-hmm. it. And it would be kind of cool to get a chance to be in the room with only a few people with this person and to have it be kind of an intimate mm-hmm. event and to really have the ability to interact 
with the person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when you have a small business that's very tiny, then the benefit is the intimacy. The benefit is that you're starting out and that you're not charging prices that you might charge after you've been at it for 20 years. You know, it's like you're, you're, um, you know, there's an, there's a different benefit there for the people to come to you. Right. But it sounds like you're, you're also, um, say you're, um, you're helping people reprogram because all of us are susceptible to social pressure. Yes. Right. So, so social yeah. proof, you know, like everybody read Cialdini influence and, in, in, you know, in my circle, in my business circle, and it's like, oh, social proof. Like, you know, you go outside, stand, stand up and look at look at the sky and then 10 people will start doing it, too. And we're all sheep and we'll just follow. Right. And you're kind right. of telling someone, like, don't let don't let other people's social cues influence your personal decision. Well, I think I mean, so. So what you're bringing up <clears throat> social proof <clears throat> again Excuse me. I've, <laughs> as you know, I'm fasting for Ramadan and my mouth is getting a little dry. I'll be uh -oh. drinking water at 8 p.m. Anyway, it's getting there. Oh, really? Fa <laughs> Ramadan fasting is, is no water? I didn't realize yeah, it's that. A, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a complete fast from, um, from dawn until dusk. From Gosh, I have, dawn. I have so much more <laughs> respect for the people in, <laughs> when I lived in Jerusalem who were doing that when it was like 109 <laughs> degrees. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. I'm living in Harrisburg. It's 50 degrees. You know, yeah. it's like. Anyway, so um, – Well, now I feel bad for having drunk in front of you. No, no, no. Please. It actually doesn't. It literally doesn't bother me. I, I can sit with people eating and it doesn't – it doesn't. Oh, okay. Um, um, it's my choice. It's my practice. It's like my heart. And um, But the but what I'm, what I'm saying is that – so when we're talking about – so here's another example, social proof. Like it is helpful for people to know – like there's some truth in that. That you don't want you don't want people to do it just because other people are doing it, and if if the solid and interesting, one of the pieces of safety that you know this is one of the one of the teachings at Heart of Business that marketing is really about safety, not about attraction. One of the pieces of safety is that oh, does it really work? Like, mm. have you done this with anybody else? Like. <laughs> when I was a paramedic, I was very aware that nobody wants to be the patient, like the first patient for a new paramedic, right? It's yeah. like nobody wants that. Everybody wants the veteran, you know, for good reason, right? You want somebody. And so that's why you do internships. And that's why you, you know, you run with experienced medics until you have some experience. They don't just throw you out there. Um, uh, you know, when you're new in business, it's really, you know, it's really wise to whatever training you've done, you know, you do as many practice sessions as possible. You go out and you get maybe some free clients or pro bono clients, very low cost clients that you can do to create case studies, to create some, um, uh, you know, case studies and testimonials so that one, you have some confidence in yourself being able to, to deliver results and you have other people saying, yeah, this person can deliver results. Mm -hmm. They don't have to say like you are God's gift to this thing because you're new, but you can say, yeah, I worked with him and that was, it was solid and I got results. It was well worth the time. And that, you know, you can create that kind of social proof from a place of wanting to create safety for people to take you up on the basic offer without saying, oh my, oh my God, you know, 10 million people have done this. You're missing out if you don't, you know, if you're not mm. one of them. So say, talk more about the, the 
safety versus attraction, because I learned Aida, right? Attraction, interest, desire, action, some right. some form of that. So it yes. was all about attracting the right people. And it was, you know, the method, the, the, the metaphors were like, you know, if you want to attract deer, you put out salt licks. If you want to, uh, you know, attract mm -hmm. birds, you put out bird seed. But it was all mm -hmm. about how to attract people. Right. So, right. I mean, there has to be something about, you know, the, the, the mass of people marching up and down have to notice right. you at some point. But how, what like I never have heard the word safety connected to marketing. So, yes, marketing is all about safety. So, like I lived in rural New York where hunting is a thing and you can put out a salt lick and stand by it all day and no deer is coming up to you <laughs> you know deer is mm. not getting anywhere near you because it's not safe for deer to approach human beings mm. um you know and i can walk away from the salt lick and it'll come to the salt but then i'm nowhere near as soon as i come by poof, they're gone um people need safety people need safety it's all about safety attraction is the realm of love. Attraction is the realm of love. The care in your heart, the love that you bring, the desire to help people, that's the natural attraction that shows up in a transmission in the world. Um, but people don't trust that, right? That's not enough because people have had their hearts broken. They've been manipulated into things. It's hard to tell if someone's genuine. Marketing is about helping people feel safe enough to approach mm. close enough to be able to tell, is this really for me? Is the care that I'm feeling really right? If you look at, um, manuf well, if, if you try to manufacture attraction, that's when it starts to feel gross, right? Well, Manufacture that's that's, that's seduction, right? That's like being exactly. a pick being a pickup artist. Exactly, exactly. It's gross and it's harmful, and um, and it, nobody nobody is nobody gains from that, and um, and so yeah, marketing is really really about attraction. Now it's true that you do have to show up in front of people, um. And there has to be something there that people, you know, respond to. And so you can talk about it in terms of attraction, like if the design is attractive and things look nice and it's well written. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like there has to be like a presentation there that, uh, you know, that on an aesthetic level that can be helpful. Yeah, but but, right, but like I'm looking right now, I, I, I snuck a, a download of the Don't Buy Now and I'm just yeah. sort of scrolling through the it's beautiful. And I'm mm -hmm. looking at like, here's a, uh, a call out with a, like a bubble, thought bubble with quotes. It's like, right. what, when I look at that, I think somebody wanted to make this beautiful in the yes. same way that like when my daughter paints a painting, her goal is I want to make art. I want to express yes. myself. Yes. Like, like that's, yes. that's, and that's attractiveness as opposed to like, you know, I've thrown things together just because I'm trying to be as efficient as possible. And they aren't that attractive. Right. Well, we want to bring care and love to all. Like every act of business can be an act of love. Like I wanted people to actually read this and gain knowledge. And so thank you for downloading it. And so I try to make it beautiful and try to make it easy for people to enter and to use. Like design is part of the message. Like it's part of how people take things in. Marketing, like so much about marketing is uh, – and there – I mean – we could go on for hours about this, but I, I, if people can really shift from like 
the mindset of, oh, I'm trying to seduce people and convince people to buy. And instead, let go of the need to convince people to mm. buy and instead say, oh, I'm trying to find the people who really need what I have to offer. Like what I need, what I have to offer is needed or wanted by some people, not by everybody, but by some mm. people. And I just want them to feel safe enough to be able to approach and to know that this can really help them. Mm. And, this, and this is like there, there is this, I, I think, uh, a huge need to surrender something. I'm not even sure what, but you're saying like, I don't need to convince this person at the same time as we talked earlier about I have needs and to be right. able to, to hold both of those and to trust that, you know, just like the blade of grass growing outside my office, it needs the sun, it needs things in the soil, it needs little buggies. Eating, and yet, like, it's all like I look outside and like nature is perfect. Like it's figured, it's yes. figured it out. And but I don't feel like I'm perfect in nature. Like I need to stock up on things and I need to have you're right. Like mm -hmm. I need buffers because well, squirrels stock up. I mean, like it's stocking, you know, it's like there's a, all of these things are, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with some of these impulses. But we need to look at the truth behind them and what they're what's where it's really coming from. It's like and where and and what's really true about our needs and what is really true about our desires so much, so much of the manipulation comes from the uh, like, especially new business owners not believing that what they do can really help people. Mm. Like, is really needed by somebody, and that often comes up because they see there's some truth in that that there are people who don't need and don't want what you have, but we then glom onto that and generalize it and say people don't need it. And if we can be humble and know that what we have is not for everybody, but there are people that we can really serve and that those are the people that we're talking to, then we lose the need to convince. We lose the need to manipulate. We, need, we lose the need to seduce. And instead, we can just connect. Like, I didn't tell you or seduce you into going and downloading that. I said something and you're like, mm. oh, this might be useful to me. I'm curious about this. I'm going to download it, you know, and you did. So, I, I you know, I just I want if people can can um, it, it's more than just creating something that's useful because we also need to help people feel safe enough to approach it. Mm. And when you combine those two things, and there's a lot, there's a lot of details. Like I'm, these are broad strokes, right? I, I mean, yeah. we teach people in great detail about these things because there's a lot that goes on in business, well, and me, there's a lot. Here yeah. Let, let, let me let me then segue into like, what do you if people want those details, mm -hmm. right? Where where can they yeah. go? What what's what do you what so, do you have, what do you offer, and in what order should people consume them? So what I what I always recommend people do is they I'd like people to start with our email list. Just come to our website, see if I mean hopefully I've been talking I've been talking for an hour. Hopefully it <laughs> resonates. Uh, otherwise, if it didn't resonate, I hope they shut me off a long time ago. But um, you know, come and check out the website. If it resonates, subscribe to our email list. Check out our stuff. Make sure that it really like 
you know, that you like it. And then um, there's a free business assessment on the site. Um, if you go under free stuff on our site, once you've, once, you know, uh, and take the assessment, mm-hmm. watch the video, fill out the assessment, you get a personal reply to that. And, um, you know, check out what it is. Yes, we do have offers. We have a learning community, an online virtual learning community. We have courses that we teach. We do coaching. We do all those things. But um, start just by, like, just checking us out and making sure, you know, kick the tires, see the free stuff that we have on the site, on the blog, um, you know, the the assessment. Um, and then, you know, if it resonates, then what we have is readily a readily visible right there. Mm-hmm. Great. So do you have resources for people who are just like looking for a gig? I guess, you know, like there's, um, you know, like the side hustle communities mm. of like, here's a thing I could do because I know a lot of people are quite underemployed. A lot of people right. are at home, like, you know, my kids are at home now and they're trying to be creative. Like my daughter started a Kim home kimchi business and right. my son is doing beats and like it's unclear. Like it's unclear how to monetize that for for people at that level. Do you have things, or is there some place you'd send you know, them? Uh, we don't do that. Like our specialty is helping people develop sustainable businesses that are going to like replace a professional level income or higher. Like get people to the <laughs> mid high five five figures or higher. Um, uh, the side hustle is not really our thing. I'm trying to think of who does that. Well, or um, but for someone who's like, that's the stage they're at now and they would like to yeah. turn it like, you know, OK, I'm done. My, like my job may go away or I feel liberated yeah. from it. And I, I'm at the point where all I have is concepts of side hustle that I would like to like. I would like to jump into the heart of business world of mm-hmm. high five figures serving people. Right. Like, do you have right. do you have sort of roadmaps for them or is there somewhere they should start first? Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, start with the business assessment. It teaches the stages of business development. It teaches this roadmap of what we see as the pieces. And for the side hustle, you're really going to want to get clear on the elements that are present in the first stage that I explain in that video. And um, that is really the place to start. And um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, 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 that's where I would start. Great. Thanks. And just, you know, over the past two months in, the, in the, the, the pandemic time, is there anything you've seen from your community, from your clients that's, yes. that's sort of new and interesting? I see, You know, we have somebody in our community who's an <laughs> acupuncturist. Her, her practice is entirely in person. And she, in, with great creativity, created something where um, – and she also does some energy healing. But – she started seeing clients virtually. She mails them a little kind of like micro needle kit. I didn't ask. I didn't get the full details on it. But she can assess and treat people virtually and do the energy healing virtually. And it's working. And she's she has a flow of weekly clients. And she's like, oh, my God, it works. I can't believe this. <laughs> so I, we've, we've seen – a number of clients like that come up with really creative, innovative approaches to um, uh, meeting their clients' needs in this situation and seeing their, you know, like getting clients and seeing their businesses continue to um, sustain themselves. Mm. It's fun. It's uh, fun and creative. It's my, and, and I'm not, I, you know, there are, 
I say it's fun. I want to bring some joy to it. I know there's a lot of people suffering and there's really hard times, but there is hope and there is there are ways forward. So Right. I mean, one of, the, one of the feelings I had, like I'm doing a lot of permaculture, I'm exploring, you know, business models, like until like, like three months ago, my business partner and I were trying to switch everything from online to in person, just because it felt so much more like talk about irony. <laughs> it, just, it, it felt so much more nourishing. We were doing like in person retreats. Um, but it's almost like, okay, so this what where we're living is not sustainable, like capitalism, the way we're eating the planet, the way we're um, we're having all this, you know, resource inequality. And what what each of us can do, maybe or some of us can do if we're privileged to be in a position to do it is to explore what happens next. Like we're all like mutating and like what what would business look like? in a different mm -hmm. world. And none, none of us knows. But if we all try things like, you know, right. it's like you said, instead of be, us becoming commodities, like we all have to do it the same way. If we each tune into our own guidance, take instruction and see models from people like you who have have experience in it, but ultimately make our own new thing. So like it's, right. you know, like every seed um, comes up with a slightly different plant then whatever happens, we'll have the, the, the diversity and the resilience that will have new models. Yes. And I want to also like um, just add to that piece that the new models are not going to be complicated or sophisticated. Like there doesn't like I don't know if it really will be a quote unquote new model. I think like the very basics of human commerce is that I have something. What do you got? <laughs> you know, and it's like, and there's, you know, and there's always been some form of indirect exchange used as a currency. And I think that a lot of what needs to be done is to take a lot of the sophistication out of our models and make them simpler and more human scaled because it's really very simple. Um, you know, you have something you need, you know, and so, you know, you have something somebody else needs, they have something you need, or if it's indirect current, you know, they have some currency that can be used with somebody else. Mm. I, I think I think I think there can be a lot of creativity and innovation in terms of the care that we bring to it and the beauty and the love that we bring to it and how we do it. But, I, you know, the analogy I use is like, you know, the human face, you know, the vast majority of us, you know, two eyes, nose, mouth, two ears. You know, it's like there's not a there's not really a lot of variation in the structure, but everybody is uniquely beautiful. And um, and we have that ability with our businesses to not have to get extreme with the difference in structure and instead bring the love and the care to how we express it and let the creativity come out mm. that way. Mm. It's all it's almost like instead of, you know, I have to be better than anybody else or I have to be hyper competitive. It's simply that I like every dollar bill is dysfunctionally the same, but I am utterly unique in the history of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, there's there's no amount of dollar bills that can afford me. No, <laughs> right? that's 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 not the equation we're working with here. Right, right. That's not the equation. Right, right, right. Oh. Beautiful. So tell us again where people can find you, say the website again, 
heartofbusiness.com, H-E-A-R-T-O-F-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S.com. And we have an active Facebook page. We have a slightly growing YouTube channel. But it's um, but yeah, but the website is the main place to come to. Beautiful. Mark, thank you so much. Thanks for the work you do. Thanks for the, I feel like I got a stealth free consultation here. <laughs> really delighted. I'm really delighted. And um, it's just, I love the heart and the care and the perspective that you bring. We really, um, this was a really nourishing conversation for me with you. Well, thank you. And, and on behalf of everyone who listens to this and feels like mental obstacles, emotional, psychological obstacles have been you know, um, obliterated to create a, path, a heart centered path forward. I thank you on their behalf as well. Mm. Mashallah. I'm very, very delighted. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mark. All right. Peace. Oh, boy. I hope you found that as useful as I already have. You can say I recorded it a couple of weeks ago and I've already implemented big changes in my business based on it. Not just not just the strategies, but really the the engine of the philosophy of my business feels so much better to align it with my heart. Than, and it's so easy when you're looking at spreadsheet, you know, to start a business with, I want to serve, I want to be in connection with people in this way. But then when you get spreadsheets and you start reading about strategy, it's so easy for me, at least, to tip over into, all right, what am I going to do here? What are the tactics here? And to let the business drive me rather than the vision of my service in the world and the connections that I want with people inform the business. So this is this is a mantra that I am adopting and I have to keep reminding myself that every act of business can be an act of love. So I hope you feel the love uh, in the podcast. And I hope uh, if when you don't feel the love, if, if I start doing things that you feel are getting me off track, which I'm sure I will, that you'll gently and kindly and firmly let me know. Help me hold myself accountable. So one other um, pay from the heart thing that I am exploring is for people who can't afford the laser coaching, even at $83 a month, the, the rock bottom pay what you pay from the heart price that uh, that that works for me um, is I'm looking at putting together a group and it would right now it would meet at Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time. So 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time and like 6 or 7 p.m. in Europe. And it would be a group coaching call. And the uh, pay what you can there would be a minimum of 15 a month and a suggested of 50 a month. So anywhere between 15 and 50, or if you want to pay more and subsidize and provide scholarships for people who can't do even do the 15. Um, if you're interested in that, just drop me a line, hj at plantyourself.com, or just go to plantyourself.com, find this episode and leave a comment. If I can get 10 people to commit to participating in this, I'll, I'll start it up. And group coaching, I used to think of it as uh, poor man's coaching, but actually through my work with Big Change Program, Sick to Fit and Well Start, there are ways in which group coaching could actually be more powerful because of the nature of community and because of the nature of accountability. And even when it's not your issue, it kind of is your issue. So if you're interested in that, let me know. I will um, gauge the temperature of my audience and see whether that's something that I want to start offering uh, on a provisional experimental basis. 
So this episode is 408. If you would like to check out the show notes for this episode and find Mark on Facebook and find his website and uh, download uh, his, his free, you don't even need to give him your email uh, PDF. You can do so. Uh, you can check it all out at plantyourself.com slash 408. Um, in garden news, as I, I mentioned at the beginning, a lot of rain this week. Boy, we've put a lot of things in the ground. And when I say we, again, I mean mostly Mia. I'm doing the, the hauling, and she's doing the, uh, the intelligent work, the design and the, the strategy for how we're going to grow food. And we're looking forward to growing a lot more food this year and becoming more involved in the community and community resilience as, as we've seen the food supply break down, the supply chain break down with uh, animal agriculture in particular, but with uh, sort of global industrialized food, um, getting back to local feels important. And uh, so that's our that's our mission as we continue there. Running news, man, on Sunday, I went out to do uh, six miles and I kept running into running friends who were just starting their runs. I ended up doing 11, came back and I pretty much slept all day yesterday. I was like in bed doing editing, but man, was I exhausted. So clearly bit off more than I can chew. Yesterday did nothing. Today's pouring rain. So I'm probably going to do some rowing and calisthenics, maybe some yoga uh, and get get back into it that slowly that way. All right, so thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use Sabali Don, the Dance of Peace. Check out willridenauer.com for more of his beautiful Kora music. And last and most, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons, as in... Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Morrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Burns, Christine Nielsen, Tina Scharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Polkanovsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Bellin, Gila Sert, David Donahue, Blair Cyborg, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner. Ruth Ann Thunderberg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lennis, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Seth, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R, Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Dean Norton, Bonnie Lynch, of Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Home Head of Guardies, Susan Watt, Kenny Hainline, Connie Hainline, Aaron Gurr, Lisa Davis, Heather O'Connor. Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Devitt, Joshua Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Cards, Dean Bishop, Bill Briel, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Moulton, Trisha Adams. Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullage, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owens, and Sagar Nayak for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends.
All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Missa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kinoski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X. Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, Jeanette Benham, Gil David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva L, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmad, Nolly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R, Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Ashwa Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Cartz, Dean Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Len, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullich, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Paranganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoraska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, and Michael Lushton for your generous support of the podcast that's it for now as always be well my friends